Good morning, church. It's great to be here on this Memorial Day. You know, we took time this morning to really honor and remember those who have given their lives, who have sacrificed their lives for the, for the freedoms we have. It's also fitting that we remember, to what Christ did. Christ sacrificed himself for us as well. And so it's a wonderful time to be able to be here this morning, to be able to reflect on that. Remember, Christ is really the center of this whole thing. And uh, to be able to uh, honor those who have fallen and given their lives for our country. So let's pray together. Well, Father, God, we are so grateful to be in your house this morning. We thank you for the freedoms that we have here to sing your praises, to hear your word proclaimed. Father, we thank you for those who have given their lives for this country. I ask that you be with those family members who, loved ones who are this weekend mourning the loss of them. Pray that you comfort them and guide them this, this weekend. And thank you for the fact that we can honor their service. Father, I pray that you be with us this morning as we hear your word proclaimed. Thank you for giving it to us. Pray that you be with me and pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart. That you impress upon us the message you want us to hear. I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, as Pastor Jamie mentioned, you know, we are in this series, we are family, and we're finishing up uh, this series today. And interestingly enough, uh, fitting, in the passage this morning. You know, Pastor Jamie just read it, it's, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Honor. I mean, that's the word on a lot of our minds this weekend, as we honor those that have sacrificed their life. And I know as we look at that, some of you who may don't have uh, good relationships with your, your parents, you go, ugh, my parents weren't perfect. How am I supposed to honor them? Well, we do not honor the soldiers because they were perfect. We honor them for the sacrifice that they did, that they gave. So my encouragement as we look at that is we've got to remember, we honor our parents. We honor them because of the sacrifice that they have given you know, I, uh, I had a wonderful time, opportunity to spend my, the last weekend with my family and uh, rem- remembering how, you know, we really need to honor our parents. And growing up, we didn't have a whole lot. Uh, Deb and I joke about the fact that, you know, we, we used to travel around a lot with the Silver Ring thing, a sexual absence program. And for, for many, many years, we would stay in different homes over the years. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of homes that we stayed in uh, as they put us up for the night and we put on the presentation at their church or wherever the next day. And Jeb and I joke that I've never been in the smallest, uh, I've never been in a smaller house than the one I grew up in because the one house that I grew up in was tiny. We had very little. There was five of us in there. And we didn't have much as a family. We, uh, but my parents tried to do the best they could. They sacrificed And we have a wonderful family. There's a lot of love in our family. There's a lot of joy in the family. Not because of what we had, but because we all knew and loved the Lord. And that's where the harmony comes in. That's what we talk about. You have to have harmony in your heart and home and the house of God. So there's a lot of joy there. And my parents were not perfect. Oh, they were not perfect. Uh, Let me count the ways. But they know that. Some of you think as parents that you're perfect. I think if we ask your kids, they would probably say differently. But we honor them not because 
not because of the perfect, but because of the sacrifice they did. You know, it's funny when I was watching that video that we showed up here and it talked about the soldiers, talk about, you know, the fact that they got up early and there was routine and they were yelling and they went to bed late and they did it all again and they were carrying things and, and, and carrying burdens and lifting things. I think that sounds like parents, doesn't it? The sacrifice that parents give. So my question for you is, do you honor your parents? Are you honoring the parents not because of who they are, or excuse me, not because of what they've done, but because of who they are and the sacrifice they've given. Are you honoring their parents? You know, as we turn our attention this week, we, we uh, as you see in your service sheets, we've entitled this sermon, Parenting 101, because we're the series family. We are family, so we talk about parenting. Now, some of you would say, well, I don't have kids, so this isn't going to relate to me. Let me tell you, someday you may have kids. Uh, some of you may have kids, young kids, old kids. Some of you are grandparents. Some of you are aunts and uncles. Some of you, most, every, every one of you is in a church this morning, and you'll see here in a little bit how a church needs to be raising our ch- kids as well. So this really is for you. How do we raise our children? Parenting 101. I know there's some parents in here going, I'm taking a lot of notes because I do not know what I'm doing. Uh, we are not going to go through a list of 50 things here of how to raise your kids. Parenting 101 comes very simply. It's, it's interesting when we look at this passage, very small amount on parenting. But as we look through the series already through Ephesians, we see a lot of characteristics we need to develop. And if you were here last week, Pastor Jamie talked about marriages. That, hey, you want to have healthy marriages and, and what that looks like. Well, you can't have a healthy family life if you don't have a, uh, a healthy marriage. So there's an order of things. But, you know, one of the things about uh, teaching our children is we have to instill it in them. You know, we think about the soldiers, about the training they went through. They had to be taught. Soldiers had to be taught. Children have to be taught as well. So what does that look like, Parenting 101? Well, it comes from a, a very, very famous verse. You know, as we look here, it says, it said, bring them up in the training of the Lord. There is a very famous passage in Proverbs that many of you know that I think really relates to what it looks like to parenting. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, Ephesians says, hey, we need to, we need to train them. So what do we do? we got to train them. Train them up in the way they should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Three things I want you to get from this. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, even church as a whole. Three things come out of this. Parenting 101. First, we have to realize. Secondly, we have a responsibility. And third, we have to remember. You remember those things. You put those into practice, and parenting becomes a lot easier. We have a, to realize, we have a responsibility, and we have to remember. First, we have to realize. We have to realize the way that children would go. The way that children would go. It says in that Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. Well, if there's a way that a, a child should go, then there, by default, is a way that they would what? Naturally go, which is different, okay? So some of you think that your child, uh, if you just lay off, they'll just naturally go a good way. Well, if you want to understand parenting, we've got to understand the doctrine of man. We have to understand the way children would go. The way that children would go. So what's the way they would naturally go? Well, unfortunately, because of our sin nature... Kids don't naturally want to go a good way. It says in Genesis 8, 21, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Every, uh, ground because of humans. Every, even, th- uh, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Psalm 58, 3. Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward, spreading lies. 
It was interesting, they, uh, the Minnesota Crime Commission did a study on, they were studying uh, people that go to jail and w- what happens to these people. And they, and they put out this report, this is years ago, it says, every baby starts life as a little savage. He's completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmates, toys, whatever. Deny him these things and see the rage and aggressiveness which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulse action to satisfy everyone, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, or a killer. Isn't that some encouragement for you? I had thought about going, there's some folks in our church, many folks in our church that are, you know, expecting their first child. And I thought, you know, I'm going to read these verses to them and then tell them about the Minnesota Crime Commission report and say, listen, you have the potential, the great potential for your child to grow up and to be a serial killer. But it's up to you, so good luck. (laughs) We're pulling for you. It's tough. But we have to understand, first off, what way children would go. We've got to understand that. Because if you don't first understand that, then you're never going to want to apply and say, listen, we need to teach them. We need to train them. We need to be different. That's why when you look at that verse, it says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. People wonder, what does exasperate mean? It means that it's a repeated, ongoing pattern of treatment that leads your child to astray, leads your child to uh, anger, resentment, hostility. So we have a responsibility Mothers, fathers, grandparents to lead our children, not to exasperate them. So how would you do that? You know, seven things that uh, people do to exasperate their children. First off, one, when you show favoritism or compare one child to another. When you push achievements beyond reasonable bounds, when you set achievements up for your children that they could never attain to, you exasperate your children. Thirdly, when you never compliment or appreciate the achievements they have, do you compliment your child? Do you appreciate what they've done? Do you appreciate what your grandkids have done? When you never, never sacrifice for them or make them feel as if they are an intrusion, do you do that? When you use love as a tool of reward or punishment, we do this in our marriages, don't we? We use it, we use it as, a, as a tool of reward or punishment. Number six, when we engage in verbal or physical abuse. Number seven, when you're overly strict or overly protective. That's how we exasperate our children. That's, that's some things that we do to lead our children astray. But you know what's interesting about those? You look at that list, you go, boy, that's, that's, a, long, that's a long list. It's not easy to, it's, it's not hard to avoid those things. It's not hard to encourage your children. It's not hard, it's not hard to uh, not show favoritism. It's not hard to um, uh, set reasonable achievements. It's not hard to sacrifice for our children. We could do these things. So we have to understand the way they would go. So what's the way they should go? The way they should go is towards our Heavenly Father, having a relationship with Him, following what it lays out for right here in the Bible. We have to teach them truths. We have to teach them truths. We have to teach them a biblical worldview. We do. Or they'll get their worldview from the world itself, which is a very good worldview. We have to teach them biblical worldviews. I love... What's happening right downstairs in our Sunday school right now, or our children's ministry down there, there are parents down there, uh, down there teaching, adults down there teaching our young kids. Teaching the young kids, talking about Bible truths, Bible verses. It's powerful. We have a responsibility to do that. We need to set boundaries for our children. We do. 
There are many parents uh, lately in this culture who are saying, listen, if you're too strict with your kids, they're not going to make good decisions, so you've got to let them free to make, uh, make some choices. And yeah, we need to allow our children to have freedom, but if we go too far and not have any boundaries, kids really uh, start making some bad decisions. There was an interesting focus on the family did a study, and uh, they wanted to see what would happen with kids with boundaries. And so they did this thing where they had this experiment where they put with kids uh, were playing in a playground uh, for a number of months, and there was a fence around them, and they would kind of monitor the behavior. And then they wanted to see what would happen if they took the boundary away. So uh, after a few months, they sent the kids out to this playground, and they took the fence down. So there's no fence. And what they found was really interesting. They found that all the kids huddled together in the middle of the playground. They huddled, like, around each other, and they didn't go out of this, like, little circle. Why? Because they needed the boundaries. They needed the boundaries. Parents, do you have boundaries for your kids? We have to realize the way the children would go. So, secondly, we have a responsibility to teach them the way they should go. That's our great responsibility. God has gifted us these children these grandchildren, these nieces, these nephews, we have a responsibility to train them. Train up a child when he is old. We have a duty. You know, last week it was great to have a baptisms here at the church. And we do them, you know, throughout the year, um, usually about four times a year. And one of the things you have to realize is that it's not just parents. It's really a community, a church-wide effort. When the minister would get up here, that he would say, let us welcome the newly baptized. And all of you would respond in accordance. You would say, we receive you into the household of God. We may you confess the faith of Christ crucified, proclaim his resurrection, and share with us in the mission of the world. It's not just about parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles. It's a church-wide effort to raise our children. That's why I love the, the, the folks down there in the children's ministry. I love those folks that are helping out with the high school ministry, the middle school ministry, the college ministry. Doug and Robbie and Donna, all those are, are, are folks that are leading those ministries are longing to have you get involved and be an influence on in our children. I remember being in youth ministry and you know, I would love the parents who really didn't know much about youth but just love the Lord. Those were the best volunteers. Not the ones that had the training in the youth ministry. The ones that knew and loved the Lord. Because they were the ones modeling it. They were the ones passionate to teach the kids and the students. It's a constant effort. We, we can't give up. We've got to constantly do it. That's why, how do you do it? It's Deuteronomy 6. A very famous passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The love of the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today, you are to be on your hearts. Here we go. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's a very famous passage. Actually, the Jewish culture, this is, they, they, they do really good about training their kids from early age. And here we have two things that we can do. We can do as parents and grandparents aunts and uncles, as a church, how do we train them? How do we get them on the right path? Two things. We impress it on them, we have to show them, and we have to talk to them. We have to talk to them. We model it, don't we? That's why this passage, I love it, because in the past few weeks, we've been talking about our own characteristics, how we need to live godly lives, how do we need to have good marriages, and then we talk about children. It's not an accident how that was laid out. Because what would it be tragic if they said, 
listen, you need to talk to your children and model it and then try to figure out your own life as well. That's what's so powerful about it. That's why it's so great that this, this is how we end. Because, listen, if we get these characteristics down from Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 of how we are to live godly lives, how we are to be mature, then it's a lot easier to show our children what that looks like. My question for you is, what do your children see about you, about how you live your life? I always find it amazing that they always say that kids turn into their parents. Why? Because that, that's who they see. That's... that's that's the model they have. I know my parents left last uh, Monday, and as soon as they walked out the door, I turned to my wife and said, if I turn into them, will you please let me know? And she said, you're already there. we got to talk. We model them. We model who they are. So what do they see when they see you? Do they see you having a relationship with the Lord? Do they see when you get, you get stressed out? Are you complaining? Do you complain about the culture? Do you complain about the world? Do you complain about uh, the church? Do you complain about those things? Children see that. They're like sponges. Do, you, do they see how you're bickering, how you're arguing, how you're stressed, how you deal with your money, your finances, your tithing? Children see that. On Communion Sundays, we have all the kids up here for communion. They see how you tithe. They see your attitudes with it. They see what you're like in the commons area. They see what you're like on the way home. They see it. So are you modeling it? Are you modeling it? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Would they know that? Are you doing devotions with them? Are you praying with them? So we impress it on them. Secondly, we talk to them. We actually have to actually talk to these children too, don't we? We have to talk to them. Talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, basically all the time. We've got we've to bring in God in all aspects, always pointing back to God. I try to do this, I try to do this with my own children. Anything that comes up, I always try to point back to God in some, some aspect. A lot of times it's because I don't know the answer to the question that they're asking me. So I like to just point it back to God. This uh, past week, my daughter asked me, uh, why are there different levels of clouds? I have no idea. Uh, so I try to, you know, I, I try to make some stuff up. And I try to use big terms. So it's like, well, the cumulus clouds and the jet stream, the way that, that works. And, you know, it's, you know, it's evaporation. And then I was like, I don't she's going to catch me here. So then I said, you know what? It's really complicated. You'll understand when you're older. But that's how God designed it. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing how God designed the clouds like that? Isn't it amazing how God's in control of the weather? Yeah, that is great. Yeah, that's good. But we use every opportunity to point back to God. We use every opportunity to point back to God. You use life lessons to point back to God. I, we, we have an opportunity to pray with our kids every night before they go to bed. And I always like to ask them every once in a while, is there something you want to pray for? Is something on your mind? What do you want to talk about tonight? Not just me. What do you want to talk about? It's amazing the answers they give. Parents, grandparents especially, you have that opportunity. I know kids you know, respect their parents, but there's something about a grandparent that really can teach. There's something about a grandparent that you can get away with a lot more, I guess. But grandparents, you have an excellent opportunity to talk to those kids, point them back to God. Well, what do you think God has to say about that? And we don't avoid it either. There's a lot of tragedies in the world, and a lot of parents who try to avoid it. You just can't avoid it. You just say, hey, listen, what happened there? Well, this is what's going on in the news. This is what's going on in the world. What do you think God would do? Well, 
those are great conversations to have. It's great conversations to have on your way home from church to say, hey, what'd you learn today? Or what'd you learn in church the other day? You've got to talk to them. You also got to talk about their gifts, who they are. Hey, listen, you're unique. You're, you're, you're special. You're different. And that's good. You, you have unique gifts. God wants to use those. What kind of things are you passionate about? What kind of things do you think God wants you to do with your own life? Not just about how to make money or how, what career you have, but what gifts has God given you to use? I always tell my kids, there's no kids, there's no Caden in language. There's no one better than you being you. God has uniquely designed you. We talk about their gifts. So we realize the way they would go. We have a responsibility to teach them. And the third one, this is a little harder. This is where it kind of hits home. We have to remember to trust God for our children. This is a really tough one. Because there's some of you in here right now that I know for sure that your kids are wayward. Made some bad choices in life. Some of you have young kids and you're praying, oh, I hope they don't make the, some of those decisions that other people have made. Some of, you have, some of you have kids that have talked to you in years. Some of you have kids that have made such terrible decisions, it's embarrassing. We've got to trust, remember to trust God for our children. One of the things about that passage, and you know, people in my office talking about that too, parents crying, saying, listen, my kid, they're not 10 years old, they're 30 they're 40. They're 50 years old. Some of you have kids that are 60 years old. You go, what am I supposed to do there? And I always go back to this passage. I uh, train up a child in the way he is gold. When he is, when he is old, he will not depart from it. So I always ask the parents, well, you tell me something. How old is old? Because the scripture doesn't say. The scripture doesn't say 18. It doesn't say 21. It doesn't say 30. It says when they're old. So I say, you can't give up on your kids. You can't. You can't give up on your kids. You entrust them back to God. God isn't calling us to be perfect parents. He's calling us to be faithful parents. That's all he's asking you to do. But then you've got to entrust God for the rest. You've got to trust God for the rest. Now be careful with this verse, because a lot of people would say, well, if I do everything I can do when they're kids, then no, no harm will come to them. They'll make perfect decisions the rest of their life. It doesn't say that in the scriptures. But it is clear that we as parents prepare the soil. God's the one that makes them grow. God's the one that convicts the hearts. So you never give up on your kids. You never do. God's just asking us to be faithful. We could do everything we could do with our kids. Teach them every Bible story there is. We can model it all day. But we've got to remember, that's all God's asking us to do. We have to be faithful. He takes care of the rest. You know, I was looking at this. I was reminded of the story, a small narrative. It's not touched on much in Scripture. It comes from Luke 8. And it was a guy named Jarius. And Jarius was a synagogue leader. And Jairus, his daughter's dying, and he runs up to Jesus and falls at his feet. It happens before verse 49. Falls at his feet and pleads with Jesus. Help me. My daughter's dying. And Jesus, while he was still speaking, someone came up from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and says, your daughter is dead now. He said, don't bother him anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she'll be healed. 
Jairus is not the only parent, the first parent that ever went to Jesus for a wayward child, a sick child. He's not the first parent. He's not going to be the last parent either. There's parents that I know right now go to Jesus every single day saying, listen, I need your help here. It was once said, wise is the parent who regularly give their kids back to God. It's powerful because he's in control. He's in control. He never turned one away. In the story of Jairus, what, is it, what happens? Jesus, right after this, goes to Jairus' house. He doesn't leave the prayer unanswered. He never does. Anytime in Scripture any parent ever came to Jesus, that was his immediate priority. We take our fears to Jesus, don't we, with our kids. We take our concerns to Jesus. For those of you who have young kids, if you don't take your fears to Jesus, that's how you become overprotective or permissive. Because what happens is if you don't take your fears to Jesus, you take your fears out on your kids. And you assume, you know what, I'm fearful of the culture, I'm fearful of the decisions they made, I'm fear that they're going to get sick, I'm fear that they're going to uh, run into all kinds of issues out there, so I'm going to protect them, I'm going to surround them, I'm going to do a background check of every kid that they ever have friends with, I'm going to make sure that I wash everything before they touch it. I will, I, uh, there's fear, there's fear, there's fear, and what happens is you become overprotective. The opposite is true as well. Parents get fearful that, listen, if I'm too overprotective, if I, if I, if I, if I put too many boundaries up around my kids, then, then they're going to be smothered. And so I don't want to do that. So I, I, I want to break down every, every boundary. I, I'm fearful that my kid won't like me. So I need to be their friend, not their parent. And so we break down the walls, and what happens? Fear then leads to permissive parents. How do we avoid permissive parents? How do we avoid overprotective parents? We take our fears to Christ. We take our fears there. We entrust. We remember that, hey, God loves us. God loves my children. i got to give my kids back to him. You know, he, the scripture doesn't talk a, whole about, a lot about parenting. It doesn't talk about, uh, like, schooling or a whole lot about discipline. It doesn't talk about spanking or rivalry or, or anything like that, sibling rivalry. It doesn't say anything like that. But Jesus' actions really speak volumes, doesn't he? When Jairus comes, he turns and makes that his focus. Every prayer, Jesus hears. Every prayer, Jesus hears. The hard reality is this. We can do everything we can do with our kids, but we've got to trust God for the rest. He's calling us to be faithful, not perfect. You know, as the band comes, they're going to lead us in our last song, The Stand. As you do, I want to remind you that, you know, some of you say, well... You would never know what I'm dealing with. How would God ever know what it's like? I just want to spare my kids. And you have to realize that God says in Romans 8.32, He didn't spare His own Son, but what? Gave Him up for us. So He understands where you are. He understands the pain that you're going through. He understands the fears that you have. He understands that your kid is out there and you've lost a lot of sleep over it. But He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to trust Him. It was somebody once said of Jarius, as parents, you've been standing where he's stood for a long time. You've since left the water's edge of offered prayer, yet haven't arrived at the household of prayer. At times you felt like a breakthrough was going to happen. That maybe Christ was going to follow you to your house like he did to Jarius, but you're not so sure anymore. 
You find yourself alone on a path, wondering if Christ has forgotten you or your child. He hasn't. He never dismisses a parent's prayer. Keep giving your child to God. In the right time, and the right place, God will give your child back to you. Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful that we can do everything we can do, but we got to trust God. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He loves your children. He loves us so much that he gave his own son so that we can have a relationship with him, the ultimate sacrifice. So in order for you to be able to do this, in order for you to be able to parent one-on-one, in order for you to have a great relationship with your kids, you got to first have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he wants you to come to him. And it's simple as saying, you know what, Lord, I understand that I have a sinful nature, that I'm a sinner, that my way isn't the right way, that I've sinned, and I've asked for forgiveness for you. I understand that you died for me. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to put my hope, my trust in you. That's it. The relationship happens. And parenting, well, kids are going to be kids. But parenting just got a whole lot easier. Because we remember to trust God for them. I hope you enjoyed this series. We are family. It's been a powerful series. It's been an exciting series. And I think we've learned a lot from it that, hey, listen, you want to have harmony in your own home with your kids. You want to have harmony in your own marriage. You've got to have harmony in your own heart. Because it'll never, it doesn't work the other way around. You've got to have peace in your own heart relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can have peace in your marriage, peace with your kids. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Father, thank you for what you teach us in your word. Father, that we, although there's not a whole lot about parenting in there, Father, we understand what it takes to parent. So, Father, I pray that you be with us. Help us to realize the way children would go, but thank you for the responsibility we have to teach them the way they should go. And we thank you for the fact that you are so powerful and you can work and change and convict hearts and lives. Help us to remember to entrust our kids to you. Father, I pray that those that are in there right now, Father, that I know are in this room that are really struggling over their wayward child, they don't know what to do. And they're feeling guilty maybe of how they raised or what they've done and they don't really know where to turn. Father, help them to realize to turn to you, to cast their cares upon you because you care for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the relationship we can have. Guide and direct. I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.